This morning is my honor and privilege to tell you that Dale Williams is going to share the word with us this morning. Um, he delivered a powerful message to 830, and I am just thrilled to hear him again, and I know you will be blessed. Pastor Ed is in Crossroads today to bless them, so I would like to share the scripture with you. It is Psalm 139, verses 1 to 5. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Patty. Well, John and Fred were neighbors. They lived across the street from each other. And John and Fred, they went to the same church together. And John and Fred despised each other. They couldn't even stand to be in the same room with each other. Well, by and by, John died. And he got to heaven, and there at the, the gates of heaven, there was a table with St. Peter. And Peter said, oh, we're glad you made it this far, John. But now there's, there's one more thing you need to do to get into heaven. You have to spell the password. John says, whoa, well, what, what is the password? And St. Peter said, love. And so John says, L-O-V-E, love. Peter said, oh, hallelujah. You are successful. You are able to come into heaven and have fellowship with the saints forever. John says, oh, good. And then he was, he was going to go in, and Peter said, well, could you help me? I need to go take a bathroom break. So I want you to sit at this table, and if anybody comes to heaven, then you need to minister, administer this test to have them spell the password. If they spell it correctly, they get to get into heaven. If not, they're condemned to hell. John says, I can do that. So he sits there, and lo and behold, here comes Fred, the guy he despised. And the worst thing John could think of was spending eternity in heaven with Fred. So Fred came up, John, what are you doing here? He says, oh, I'm... I'm administering the test to get into heaven for St. Peter. What is it that you have to spell the password, Fred? Fred says, okay, well, what is the password? And John said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> you, know, you know what I like about that? I like about that story. It's absolutely false. It's heresy. There's nothing true about that. Because we know that Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Paul wrote to the Romans that by grace you, to the Ephesians, by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not because of works, lest any man should boast. He told the Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Christ says, I go to you to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many homes. There are many mansions. And if it weren't so, I would tell you. You see, there is no password to spell into heaven. 
It's the way to heaven is through faith and belief in Christ. The way to heaven is Christ who died on the cross to save from our sins and rose on the third day. Salvation from the power and penalty of sin is through Christ and Christ alone. He redeems our life and restores us to that relationship with God that God always meant for us to have. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, Psalm 139, we studied last week, and Pastor Ed showed us where we are fearfully and awesomely and wonderfully made. And this week, we're going to learn that God knows us. God knows you. God sees us as we can be, but he loves us as we are. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 139. Verse 1 says, O Lord, you have searched to me, and you know me. It's, it's not like searching for lost keys in the house. Oh, let's search for my keys. I've lost them. No, it's a search like mining for diamonds, like mining for precious gold in your life, for going deep in your life and finding those wonderful things of God that are in you, the wonderful treasures huh, of infinite worth. Sometimes I, I think about uh, like having a garage on the back 40 that hasn't been open for years, and you go back there and you open up this garage, and it's full from the ceiling to the floor. Of, it's full of stuff, some of it trash, some of it antiques. And you go through that garage and sit up a table and you pull out every item one by one and you catalog everything in that garage and you lay it out. And when you're done, you know everything there is about that garage and the things in the garage. You're the expert. God is the expert of everything in your life. He created you. He searched and discovered things about you and is cataloging all of those things in your life. So that is the introduction. Search me. God has searched me and he knows me. And then verse 4 through 5, or 2 through 5, is now going to explain and work that out. What does that really mean? You know, I was flying from, to Africa on my work and from Amsterdam down to Nairobi on KLM. And I remember the uh, flight attendant coming down the aisle with the cart. And she got to my row and she says, Mr. Williams, we're glad you're flying with us. W would you like meat or fish? And I, I, I was amazed, and I remember how I felt that she knew my name. You know, she called me by my name because we all want to be known. We all want to be understood. And God knows much more than our name. Verse 2 says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. Verse 3 says, you examine my journey and my lying down. You see, as we go about our lives, as we go about doing the stuff we do every day, the mundane stuff, God knows and he sees you. It says, when we rise up, God knows it. When we rise up, or no, not when we rise up, we got to sit down first. So when we sit down, hallelujah, he sees us when we sit down to eat, to watch television, to study, to work to play Wordle, to play Angry Birds. He sees us to make a phone call, to read a book, to do a crossword puzzle. The Lord sees every time we sit down to know what we're doing. He knows us. He, he knows you're sitting in that pew right now. 
But the scripture says he also knows when we, when we rise up. Now I'm going to go preach to the choir. So, so he knows when we rise up choir. What, what might that look like? When we're rising up to do what? To stretch. Oh. To, to go to the restaurant, walk the dog. To sing. To tell Alexa to be quiet. Hallelujah. Yes. To clean the house. Every time we rise up, God sees us. He knows what we're going to do. The, the scripture says when we're going on a journey across town, when we go down the mountain, God knows it. When we go down the, seas, the, the ski slope, God knows it. When we go on vacation, he knows. He knows where we're going. He knows what we're doing. When we go to work, when we're going on a journey to go to work, he knows. The Lord sees it all. When we're located again, all the moves in the military, he knows it. When we make changes in our career and moves, he knows it. He's intimately acquainted with your ways. The scripture says he knows when we're lying down. Every snooze, (laughs) every nap. My grandmother used to say, oh, I'm not sleeping. I'm just resting my eyes. Whether we're sleeping in our bed at home or in a hotel or in a hospital, God's gaze is on you. His eye is never off of you. Remember in John chapter 1, the story of Nathanael when he was called by Philip. Philip came to him and Nathanael was sitting underneath a fig tree. And Philip came and said, come, I met the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And Philip says, I mean, uh, Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? What a cynic. And, And Philip says, come and see. Isn't that a neat invitation to the world today? Come, come and see. And so he goes, and when when Christ sees him, he says, oh, look, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And Christ says, I saw you when you were sitting underneath the fig tree. And Nathaniel says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Christ sees you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. Search me, O God, and knows me. But the Lord's understanding goes a lot deeper than just the nuts and bolts of where we are and what we're doing. Verse 2 also says, you understand my thoughts from afar. You intimately know all of my ways. Some people have this misguided thought that God is a distant God way out there. That's not true. But even if he was, he knows your thoughts. He knows every thought in your mind. He knows what you're thinking. You know, we can, uh, we can hide our thoughts from others, can't we? We do that. We go to a meeting and we say, oh, we're, we're so glad you were at this meeting. And we think, next time I wish you'd stay home. Oh, you had some great thoughts and ideas at the meeting tonight. It was some of the most stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. Hey, give me a call sometime. I hope you don't. But God knows our thoughts. He knows what makes us tick. He knows how our beliefs and forms, our thinking, how our experiences can come to bear on our reasoning. He even knows when we have crazy thoughts, when we're not thinking straight. The Lord knows and he understands. 
He knows your disposition, your inclinations, your tendencies, your reasonings, not just some of the things that you think, all of it. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well? She came and and talked to Christ. And after just a little while, she went to the town and says, come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. Come and meet the man who knows me. How her life was transformed in that conversation with Christ. But, but even let's go back to Nathaniel underneath the fig tree. You know, it was the, the Israelites historically spent time underneath a fig tree where they had big leaves and it was shaded to worship, to meet with God, to have their quiet time, if you will, to, to read and study the Torah, to worship, to pour out their hearts before God. That's where they went, underneath the fig tree. So you see, when Christ says, Nathaniel, I saw you underneath the fig tree, it wasn't just a location. Christ saw Nathaniel having communion with God, wrestling with God, speaking to God, praying to God. During that special spiritual time, Christ saw him and understood. I was a student at Asbury Seminary. For, for years, there were a group of us students, guys, who got together every Wednesday morning from 6 to 8 to study the Bible. And there were four or five of us in this group, and we would come and study before time and then come and bring our thoughts and the, the nuggets that we got out of the Word. And we would pray, we would sing and worship, we would confess to each other. We would, it was just a special time of growing spiritually. Every Wednesday, we met in this office in the administration building. And then there was the Wednesday. The Wednesday when God showed up. When, when his spirit was poured out on that room and we were on our faces for hours praising God and worshiping and words of prophecy. And you see, I, I, I think in some ways if, if Jesus was here with us and, and we were sitting here and, and Jesus said to me, oh, Dale, I saw you when you were in the office. You, if you heard that, you might think, oh, well, Christ knew that Dale was in some office. He saw us in the office that day when we were experiencing God in profound ways. The Lord knows you. He knows you deeply. He knows your giftedness, your strengths, your failings, your fears. He knows the things in your life that are funny, the things that are sad. He he knows the deep joys that you have experienced. He knows those crushing disappointments. And he knows the amazing achievements of your life, even if others don't acknowledge them. Isn't it wonderful how deep and how wide God knows us? Well, I don't know about that. Because he also knows our struggles. He knows the times when we're tripped up by temptation. He knows our sin. He knows our sinfulness. He knows how the world, when the offerings of the world just suck us down like quicksand. See, the world sucks life from us, but God gives us life. And despite the failures and the sins, now hear me, 
God will never shrink away from you. God never backs away from you. God is always pressing into your life. He's never surprised at the good or the bad, but always loves you with an amazing love of no conditions. Oh, Lord, Lord, you search me, and you know me, but it only gets better. Hey, verse 4, you think that's something. Hmm. Jesus says, the Lord says, even before there is a word on my tongue, oh, Lord, you know it all. But that makes sense, doesn't it? If, if the Lord knows our thoughts and words come out of our thoughts, then he's going to know our words even before they're spoken. My wife says, sometimes I speak before I think. But the Lord knows the words even before they're spoken, even those words that are not spoken. That's what the scripture says. Words of adoration and praise, words of thanksgiving and gratitude, words of kindness and compassion, words that encourage, words that build up. The Lord knows them all. But likewise, he also hears every curse, every complaint, every destructive tirade of anger and bitterness, every worldly and empty chatter, which leads to further ungodliness. He hears them all, but he never shrinks away. To be understood by God in, in this way should bring us great joy, but also great holy fear and awe of God in our lives. See, Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah mocked those who would create idols and gods out of wood and stone. He said, make sure when you, when you get a wood that it doesn't rot. Make sure when you have a stone that it's a, it's a solid base so when an earthquake comes, your God does not fall over. He mocked the gods that had eyes but did not see. He mocked the gods that had ears but did not hear, who had mouths but never spoke. That is not our God. Our God sees. He hears. He speaks. But that's why the redemption of our lives is so great. God knows it all. He knows everything about you. And yet he continues to want to pull you and move you and direct you into a path that aligns with his heart and his ways and his thoughts. The sanctification, that becoming more like Christ, that is what God is committed to in our lives. That is his desire. That's his love for us. And then finally in verse 5, as is to bring all of this truth home, he says, you enclose me behind and before. You laid a hand on me. God puts a fence around your life, a protection. Those things that have come before, he protects you from what has come before. He protects you and guards you from what is coming ahead the Bible says, and then the most profound truth in this whole scripture, that God's hand is on you. Some theologians see that as, you know, sort of God's hand holding your arm like a policeman might hold a prisoner moving from the squad car into the jail so, you know, they don't, they don't escape, like God will not let you escape. Maybe, but 
I tend to see it as God's hand being on you, a, a hand of compassion and healing, a, a hand of mercy, a hand of blessing, a hand that anoints, a hand that, that rests on you to say, I'm here. I'm with you forever. Psalm 139 is a tender reminder, isn't it? How God knows when we, when we get up and what we're going to do. He knows when we sit down and what we're doing. He knows where we go and why we're going. The Lord knows the faults of our mind. He knows the words on our mouth before they're even spoken. And he puts a hedge of protection around us as he maintains and keeps his hand resting on our life. In 1973, the evangelist and scholar J.I. Packard wrote a book, Knowing God. I would commend it to you. I want to quote from Dr. Packard's book when he writes, quote, you are engraven on the palms of God's hand. You are never out of his mind. He knows you as a friend, one who loves you. There is no moment when God's eye is off of you or his attention distracted from you, and therefore no moment when his care falters. He sees all the twisted things about us that our fellow man do not see. And he sees more corruption in you than you see yourself. But for some unfathomable reason, he wants to be your friend. He desires you to be his friend. And he has given Jesus Christ, his son, to die for you, to realize this purpose. God knows you. But it leads to the question, doesn't it? Do we know God? Not do we know about God, not have, have we heard about God. Do you know God through his son Christ, having believed by faith that Christ died on the cross for our sins and was raised again on the third day and now lives and rules and reigns in heaven? And Christ came to restore you, to restore you to a right relationship with God that was the plan of God from the very beginning of time? Do you know God having put your trust in Christ, being saved by God's grace, his unmerited favor, and thus gained the right to become a child of God with an inheritance with all the saints and a place in heaven to be with him forever? You see, that's how we know God. The God who knows us. We're going to close by singing about our great redemption story and the love of God, and can it be? And you know, we don't have fig trees up here. <laughs> but we do have places to come, to kneel, to sit, to stand, to fall on the floor, to meet with God, to talk with God, to share with God what's on your heart,
to receive God. With, this is, this is, I love this church because this place is always open for prayer. So I just invite you, if you want to come and meet with God underneath the fig tree, that you would come while we sing the great Charles Wesley hymn, And Can It Be? Lord, you've searched us and you know us. You know all there is about us, Father. You broke our chains. And bold we approach your throne of grace and mercy through Christ. We praise you, we give you glory and honor that even as we leave this place, your eyes are on us. And we are never out of your sight and never out of your care, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. We thank you for your hand that rests on us. We thank you, Lord, for our great salvation in you. Receive the glory. Receive the honor. It's not to us, but it's to your name. Be the glory as we leave. In your precious name, Jesus.